Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. 1233 in Edmonton. Bruce Chris Steakhouse, the greatest steak you've ever had. Edmonton owned and operated. Open from Wednesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until close. You can head down to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Brendan, Maggie, Taylor, and the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers now sent you. We are going to head off to our River Curry Resort and Casino hotline. At this time, we'll tell you that all slot machines, table games, and the poker room open at the River Cree. You'll notice that the slot machines are separated by plexiglass, one of the many steps that the River Cree has taken to follow all AHS guidelines. Be sure to try one of their nine Dining options, including the brand-new Italia, where you can enjoy two-for-one entrees Wednesday and Thursday. The River Cree Resort Casino, Alberta's premier resort destination. To our Oilers now headliner, we welcome back to the show John Shannon. John, how you doing? Great, Bob. How are you? Good. Uh, you know what? Uh, let's start with Mike Emmerich announcing his retirement today. Uh, great American, uh, you know, generally considered the best American t- uh, television or radio hockey play-by-play voice of all time. Would you concur with that feeling? Uh, I, listen, I, I think that uh, Mike's uh, uh, one of the greatest of all time. I think that there's a, a, a short list, uh, both Canadian and American, uh, and Mike would certainly be on that list, yes. Uh, there, you know, remember uh, Sir Lawrence Olivier, four-time Academy Award-winning actor, and he said one of the Who great things. Uh, well, you know, at times he was accused of being a left winger, and at other times he was accused of being a right winger. But uh, uh, he he coined a phrase years ago about the screen, and he said the best actors share. Yeah. And yeah. that is that is the truism about you know what the best shows, the actors share, uh, the best broadcasters share, and that is something that Mike Emmerich, uh, who's, who had very unique descriptive abilities and used lots of different words, so he didn't have repetition of phrasing. But he always made room and space for his color guys, be it Eddie Olchuk or Pierre Maguire or Bill Clement. And that was one of the things that defined him, wasn't it? I I think so. There was also an overlying passion for the game of hockey. You know, actually, what's fascinating about Mike is Mike loved fighting. Uh, still does, uh, and is always and used to keep used to keep on a ledger all the fighting statistics uh, in the NHL. Uh, I've known Mike, gosh, I've known Mike forty five, forty four years. Uh, he he was uh, working for the Maine Mariners of the American Hockey League uh, at the time, uh, and I was just starting out at Hockey Night in Canada. We have been friends all that time. We worked together for many years. Uh, in the United States, uh, we were supposed to do the uh, the uh, Nagano Olympics together. We we're supposed to do the the uh, Salt Lake City Olympics together, but he had personal issues that he decided not to go. Uh, the one thing I would tell you about Mike is there isn't a kinder soul when you talk about giving. Uh, 
a kinder soul in the game of hockey than Mike Emmerich. And, uh, and that passion and his kindness uh, really became uh, parts of his trademark play-by-play. Uh, and I think that, uh, that that's what really had made him and, and, and separated him from so many, so many other announcers. I remember, uh, John, in 1995-96, it was the first year I got to work for Molstar. You know, John Sexsmith, he'd gotten the opportunity, actually, to host the Oiler broadcast on Chet, and so I kind of replaced John doing the stats. And one of the first, New Jersey, was they came in, and I, they might have even come in, maybe people can ask Brendan to look this up. I think it was on uh, Halloween night. And they came into town, and I was doing font cord and stats, which meant I was there all day. And I remember, like, it. Well, so was Doc. So was Doc. And that's what I was going to say to you. Like, yeah. a lot of guy, a lot of the play-by-play guys would go back to their hotel and stuff during the day. He's there. Like, I'm, I'm sitting there at like two o'clock, and I go out into uh, the underbelly of the arena at that time. I don't know if what, what what club it was called. The owners had just refurbished it, and he's sitting there, like five hours before puck drop and he hasn't gone back to the hotel he's doing his prep work right at the building i was really taken up like his preparation was exceptional no no question and, and i mean that focus uh goes to uh the years not only was he the voice of the new jersey devils he was the voice of the philadelphia flyers he did new york rangers hockey for a while uh, before getting his uh, big break uh, uh nationally in the united states with espn and obviously in the last 15 years uh, with, uh, with NBC. So he's, he, what, I, what I remember is that, uh, you know, there was a time when morning skates weren't mandatory. Uh, right. But when, man, when, when morning skates became a factor, you'd end up going to the arena. Uh, and then announcers, you're right, would go back. And I would walk through the arena at about 1130 or, or noon and, and look up into the broadcast booth, whether it be at the Spectrum or MSG or... Uh, or, or Brendan Byrne, and there was Doc sitting at his workspace uh, doing all his notes uh, in tricolored pen, uh, trying to make sure that there wasn't one ounce of information that he had, didn't uncover uh, before the game. I, I, I just I, There isn't enough adjectives to describe what a great person Mike Emmerich was. And the, the amazing thing was there's a lot of people that go on TV, Bob, and uh, we get a different feeling of who they are and what they are. What you heard from Mike Emmerich, what you saw about Emmerich and his love and passion for the game of hockey was exactly the same off the air as it was on. Uh, and that transcended everything, whether it was hosting a banquet uh, or, uh, or, or just meeting somebody at the breakfast table and saying, hello, how are you? He was, he's just a magnificent person. Uh, and that made him that much better broadcaster. You know, and you, you mentioned the fighting thing, and that, that that's where I'm going to go next. John Shannon joining us, our NHL insider, Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. We live in very politically sensitive times, <laughs> to, really? say the, to say I the least. Notice that. I didn't <laughs> yeah. notice that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, and, and where I'm going with this is there seems to be a certain mindset that if you don't think this way on all issues, and, and I'll be honest, do you think I like fighting, John? What do you think? I think you love fighting, Bob. I love it. Okay. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I know. I know. Like, I'm not, I, like to me, there's there's nothing more honorable. Two guys. I, I remember when uh, Milan Lucic took a poke at Mike Smith in Calgary at the end of the season, like in 2017-18. Or maybe it was, yeah, it was 17-18. Huh? 
And it could have been last April. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and so Tanner Glass had to go out next shift for Calgary because they didn't have anybody else to deal with Milan because Mike Smith had kind of – and I remember thinking, man, that Tanner Glass, you know, that's the t- – <laughs> what a great guy, right? Like I, he knows he's going to lose, but he's going to square up and take the fight, and I had nothing but an immense amount of respect for Glass for engaging in the battle. And I'll be the f- – I, I, I love talking about the great battles of the old, you know. Like I hated the Flyers as a kid. Hated them. Hated what they represented because they fought three and four on one. They didn't square up. You know, Dave Schultz beating up Dale Rolfe one on one. Like, come on. What happened when it was Dave Schultz and Larry? You know what I'm saying here? Like, are you allowed to actually admit? Any, like, I admit, I, I like I talking about, you know, the past. And I, I, there's less of it ever before. And I'm concerned that we're going to see cheap stuff carrying forward, even though it's kind of been legislated against a little. In ter- you, know, you know where I'm going with this? Like, uh, are, first of all, is it a... Pol- should, can you, are you allowed to say you like fighting anymore? I don't know. Sure you you tell, yeah, sure you are. yeah, yeah. But here, here's the here's the issue, and this is this is true for not just fighting. This is true for everything we deal with in the game, and actually, we, the more you think about it outside the game as well, um, we 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 want people to have opinions, and, and then when we when they have opinions we don't like, we think they're stupid. <laughs> and and that doesn't make any sense if you want people to have opinions. Hundred percent. So you know. so it's it's one thing to say, one thing to say, how important fighting is to the game, and then prove it, uh, and then people can call you a Neanderthal. But at the same time, you know, that's what having opinions is all about. That's why talk radio is talk radio. Um, you know, there's 5% black, 5% white in the spectrum, and then 90% is gray. Gray. And, and people don't seem to understand that. And fighting, we've gone, we've gone from Mike Emmerich to fighting, but, and he, by the way, if we, if we told Mike he, we went from Mike Emmerich to fighting as a discussion, he would be honored. <laughs> he would be honored that we we did that. So, well, he he came up in a time in the American Hockey League when there was a ton of it, right? And then obviously sure. in the NHL, the organizations that he worked for. I mean, he did yep. the Flyers broadcasts. They always had super tough teams back in the day. So, it's interesting stuff. All right, uh, is there anything? Do you, do you has the league sort of reset and given everybody now that we've gotten through the draft and free agency? What's going on at the league office these days, John? I mean, you, you've got as good a contacts as anybody uh, out there. Is, is this a little bit of a quiet time, or are they are they doing a lot of work behind the scenes to try to put things in place for a 2021 season? Uh, I think there's a bit of a reset right now. I mean, let's face it. There's a ton of people at the league offices that were in both bubbles. Uh, there are lots of people that uh, were away from their families from the league office for 60 to 70 days as well, not just the players. And, and, and so uh, I think there is a bit of a reset, and particularly when you consider how much uh, effort was put into the draft, uh, into the award show. Um, so there, there, is, there are people, they're still working. They're, you know, they're, they're daily briefings. There's daily Zoom calls. Um, the board meets every second Monday. Um, but I think they're pe- and pe- people are ta- taking a little bit of a deep breath and and then and examining where the pandemic is and how it affects the NHL without making too many rash decisions too early. Is one of the things affecting what occurs with the NHL carrying forward for 2021 season the start of the Olympics in, tw- in uh, July of 21? 
Well, I think that's a factor from U.S. television. Uh, because NBC, who will still be the rights holder, will have no airtime for hockey. Um, and I, I really think I, I really think there's a uh, an underlying demand by the teams, and and therefore so maybe by the players as well, uh, to get back on track, get back on track to an October to June world and have summers off. You know, this is a really strange time for the athletes to play this game to be home. For, for sure, and, for sure. And 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 not be on the And boat. for the broadcasters. <laughs> well, yeah, but we don't care about that. You're right. You know, I mean, we're you know, you we're along for the ride, Bob. That's basically I I know, I'm right. just I'm just saying, but, you know. Yeah, but so so I but I think that there will be demand for the players to say, "Hey, listen, you know, if we start in February, can we please be finished by the 15th of July?" So that we can at least enjoy our summers before we get ready for, before the the following season, with fingers and toes crossed that that we'll be back to normal by October of of 2021 when Seattle joins and there's an expansion draft and a and everything else that is required before the uh, before the Kraken actually start playing games. John, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs re-sign Jason Spezza. They uh, bring in Wayne Simmons who I've always liked, hard not to like Wayne Simmons as a player, and now they've signed Joe Thornton. Uh, Now, there's I I would assert there's an incredible amount of leadership likely in those three players. Uh, For the listeners that are unaware, I'm told that Spez in particular had a lot of input on the return to play for the 1920 uh, season. He's well-respected. He was on that committee, yes. He he was was on that committee. Well-respected around the league. So... um, you know, I, there's some people in Toronto that think, well, here we go again. They bring in these older, you know, Ontario-based guys, and it's going to come back and bite them. I'm not so sure that's going to be the case. What about you? Well, I, I mean, what we're talking about is three guys in, in their time were superstars in this game. I mean, one guy was the great one of the greatest power play goal scorers of our generation in Simmons. The other two were just pure superstars, five-on-five five and on special teams. Um, but now they have bought into becoming role players. Uh, and I would even tell you they bought into not necessarily playing every game. What they want to do is play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, they all have no moves. They all have, they, they say, well, I'll, I'll come and play for you, but I don't, want to be, I don't want to be fodder at the trade deadline. They want to have one last kick at the can for their childhood team to win the Stanley Cup. And you can't blame any of them for that. Um, the the thing about Spezza and Thornton is, I if we end up with a you know a shorter schedule, a compacted schedule, Bob, I wouldn't be surprised to see them both not in the lineup at the same time. Because if you think about you know wear and tear on the body, three games in four nights. It's going to be tougher on a 41-year-old and a 37-year-old than it will be on a guy that's 23. And so what Kyle Dubas has done is he's basically he has risked very little, didn't give very much up. It's going to be a prorated contract. It's going to be minimum salary with a few bonuses, and life goes on. And, uh, and, 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 they, and they hopefully fill a void that obviously this team has, and that's off the ice, and that's leadership. And perhaps... Perhaps Thornton can help teach Matthews, help teach uh, a few of the other players on this team how to be a leader as opposed to a follower. Well, he's been a great player for a long time in the league. There's no question about that. And he's in unbelievable condition. 
Yeah. Unbelievable um, condition. John, are, are Columbus and Nashville going to do anything here in free agency? Are they under self-imposed team caps? Is there, uh, I mean, they seem to be, they both offloaded a fair amount of money, and they've both been fairly quiet here. Uh, I, I realize there's there's still a couple players left, including guys that, you, you know, Florida's another team that could spend a little bit more. What, what's happening with those clubs right now? Well, I, I actually think that uh, Yarmulkek Linen is in a little bit of a defensive mode more than an offensive mode. Uh, they did make the trade for Max Domi, so they got their. They feel they have their number two center. What they have to be concerned about is making sure they can sign their number one center, and that's Pierre Luc Dubois. Uh, and if you looked at all of the RFAs and the guys that could garner offer sheets, my personal opinion is Dubois would be at the top of the list. If you have a team that has enough space to offer Dubois a contract, this guy has become a monster in the NHL. And, and Yarmo has to be able to be in a position to match that contract more than anything else. Um, you know, I mean, we, we did we saw what what Mark Bergevin did last year with Sebastian Ajo. Right. Is there anything to think that it's possible that he might consider doing the same thing with a, a young Quebec guy that uh, could come in to become the number one center for Montreal? I don't know. Uh, it, it, it's possible. I mean, that's why I think Yarmo did what he had to do and unloaded the talent that he did. The other thing is, I now, Bob, I don't think there's any hurry to sign players, and it's 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 going to disrupt a few family uh, family holiday parties uh, for right. the, the, the the unrestricted free agents. But I, I suspect that we're going to get a real, uh, bla- uh, you know, a lull here in signings, and then we're going to get a, an aggressive group of signings when they announce. Uh, within two weeks of the season starting. Well, Nashville's at $68 million. They're quiet, and they, of course, bought out Kyle Turris. Columbus is at $68 million, but they've got to get the restricted free agent Dubois on. The Islanders have two restricted free agents that they got to get signed. Uh, Barzell, who some might argue, I, I would agree with you, John. I think Dubois is a, a better all-around centerman than uh, Barzell and bigger. Uh, but, you know, there's also Pulak with the Islanders. And then Florida, I'm not really sure what. Florida's at about $70 million. Uh, yeah. Is it possible they are a real cap, like a self-imposed team cap? I think there's a lot of teams like that, yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if Florida's there, Arizona's there, Columbus is there. Um, you, I think what you need to do is probably look at those mid-sized to small-sized U.S. markets where, um, you know, the, the local market revenues aren't near as high as there are in Canada, and you have to think, okay, what's their number in, a, in, in comparison to the 81.5? Awesome stuff, John. As always, we appreciate your time. All right, Bob. Have a great day. Thanks for sharing. That is John Shannon, our NHL insider. It's 1252 in Edmonton. I'll get to some of your texts on the Ashley Fine Floors text line when we come back in orders now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's 1254 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer and Brendan Escott with you. We just heard from John Shannon. Lance Lazowski coming up out of Buffalo. Uh, he's done a couple pieces on Ralph Kruger, Taylor Hall. That was a very interesting signing by Buffalo. Uh, it's interesting the perspectives. Uh, 
Greg Wyshynski, who's a Hall fan, uh, said that Buffalo was one of the big winners in free agency. Frankly, I totally understand the move myself. Makes a lot of sense to me. Um, so we'll get Lance's perspective on how people are feeling about it in Buffalo. I, I hazard a guess that I'd be very surprised if anybody uh, was down on it. I mean, anytime you get a, a short term, makes a lot of sense to me. During the season... The Oilers Now Injury Report is brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Trent Brown, Jim Brown, the gang at James H. Brown want you to stay safe and stay positive. And when accidents do happen, reach out to jameshbrown.com. Back at the 630 Chad Studios. You want to start doing NFL uh, player updates or something like that, Brendan? Uh, I mean, there's not there's not a lot leaking out these days, is there? No, not really on most fronts, in fact. And honestly, though, there's enough injuries in the NHL on a seemingly weekly basis. We could probably start doing that. Yeah. Uh, well, certainly for all of the guys that are playing fantasy football and stuff like that right mm-hmm. now. Uh, how's your team doing, by the way? Uh, yeah, not good. <laughs> you know, not I, good. I, I got to tell you, Brendan, it doesn't surprise me. Why is that? Well, you're dissing my man, Derek Henry. I mean, come on. I own right. Derek Henry on the team that I'm winless in. It sucks, but I bring well, up like, pass catching because he's, he's in a PPR league with me. You know? so oh, okay. As good as he so, is, guys like Kamara are that much better. That's just the nature of your league. I'm in a slightly different. I'm in a little bit more old school pool. My pool's actually been around for football since 1995. And were you born in 1995? What year were you born? I was a one. One year old. Okay. And the fantasy hockey pool that I've been in with a bunch of guys since 1988. So that's uh, been a while. Uh, to the Ashley Fine Floors text line, Bob Wayne Simmons, one of the greatest power play goal scorers of our time. The Toronto media is one of a kind. Uh, in fairness, Wayne Simmons was a really good power play goal scorer for a number of years. Net front presence, and he is tough as nails. He could back it up as well. Um, I mean, is Dave Andrichuk one of the greatest power play goal scorers of all time? I'm just trying to think of who's the best. Uh Jason from uh, from uh, Sangudo, he's got a way with words. There's no question about that. Uh, John Shannon was talking about the fact that maybe the orders w- or maybe the Leafs would be alternating uh, Jason Spezza and Joe Thornton. And uh, Jason says John Shannon is correct. Over forty, you can't do anything three times in four nights. All right. Thank you very much for that. Uh, this text comes in saying, I miss the, the old days of the line brawls when one team got up by a few goals. I like the old days of enforcers, too. I don't care if they were stage fights. At least we got to see a fight once in a while. George LaRock was my favorite player growing up, says the texter. Well, George does the show every uh, Thursday on Oilers now. The line brawls, is, as long as they were fair, you know, there was one in the, the Memorial Cup in 1991 involving the Spokane Chiefs and Kerry Toporowski, and I believe they were playing Shakutami. It didn't go well for the Quebec League team, as I recall. Uh, but, you know, it, I, I have no problem with, like, when Jerome Ginla fought uh, Vincent LeCabe in the 2004 Stanley Cup final. I thought that was awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with getting into it. And how many people actually stop watching when there's a fight on the ice? Oh, turn the channel. I don't want to see that. Uh, none of that here as mixed martial arts continues to become, uh, you know, uh, a base for fans that increases with each and every day. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell at 1258. When we come back at 105, we're going to get a hit out of Buffalo. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.